Welcome queen to the body love binge with me Victoria. Although we're all unique, honestly I'm no different to you. I'm just a girl who's been through some hard shit, figured out how to thrive and made it her life's mission to help others to do the same. I've beaten anorexia, bulimia, binge eating disorder and I'm a domestic abuse survivor. My intention for this podcast is to empower you with weekly episodes on all things food freedom, body love and of course juicy, yummy self-love so you can embody the healthiest and happiest version of you. Enjoy the episode my love. beautiful beings. Welcome to another episode. Today's episode is inspired by a listener's question and the episode is titled, just in case you didn't know already, you are sick enough to get help and binge eating is a restrictive eating disorder. Now this listener question was, hi Victoria, I was wondering if you could do a podcast episode on imposter syndrome with eating disorders. I've been struggling a lot with regards to whether or not I deserve help or actually fall under the label of having an eating disorder because I'm not physically sick. I guess I feel like because I binge eat, I feel like I'm not malnourished or physically sick. So how can I fall under that category of eating disorders? I'm not thin either. So it's hard to feel like I can actually use the title or accept that I have an eating disorder. Now, I would love to quote the name of this beautiful queen who wrote to me, but it was in my Instagram DMs and I have had so many DMs since then, I haven't prioritized the time to sift through to see what this queen is called or to let her know when this episode is out. So I'm just going to go with my gut feeling that this person will be listening to this episode. And if you are, please DM me again on Instagram so I know who you are and let me know what you thought of this episode. And anyone else who also wants to reach out to me to ask a question that I can turn into an episode or that just wants to ask me a question that I can um, answer privately, then please do that. I am personally at the end of all of my DMs and I actually have a time block set out to go through my DMs every day. So if you don't if you don't hear from me within 24 hours, you will do within 48 hours. So let's get into the episode then. So I just want to just say the question again because I've just spoke a bit in between. She is asking about imposter syndrome with eating disorders. She's been struggling a lot. She doesn't know whether she can label herself or whether she can actually seek help, whether she's, quote, sick enough because she's not malnourished, she's not physically sick, and she's not and she's not thin either. And so what I would like to say to the, speak to this first is 85% of people with eating disorders, diagnosed eating disorders, are not underweight. 85% of those diagnosed with eating disorders are not underweight. Secondly, you can be underweight at any weight regardless of your BMI status. Now, what do I mean by that? You might have perhaps heard me speak about this before and I always use myself as an example because it's a prime example and it makes sense to do so. My, and I only use my BMI and I don't know my weight since the last year because my body hasn't changed. So I'm assuming I'm around the same weight because I don't weigh myself. The reason I did weigh myself last year was purposely 
so I can share these things with you. So in terms of my weight, my BMI is 28 to 29. And on the BMI scale, that is in the overweight category. And I believe unless they've changed it again, because they literally changed BMI one time overnight. And so people became overweight and obese overnight simply because they moved the numbers. I'm not shitting you. So unless they've changed the numbers again, because they haven't looked, I think 30 BMI of 30 is the obese category. I don't even like that name because what does that even mean? What I mean, it just annoys me because we're treating individuals like we're not human or something. And so BMI doesn't mean shit. I've shared this with you before. A previous client of mine um, relabeled BMI and used it as an acronym of bullshit misunderstood information, which I completely agree with. And that was from Tara. So I'm not sure if Tara still listens, but thank you, Tara, because I use that analogy all the time. So meaning I now am at my natural set point weight, which means I eat what I want, when I want, whatever I want, however I want, and my body stays the same size because my body wants to be this size, genetically, environmentally, whatever. Like the age I'm at, I haven't had children. I don't know if I'm gonna have children. I haven't gone through menopause yet. That will probably change slightly over my lifetime, but this is my body's size. In terms of clothes sizing, I mean, this is even hard to, to share as well because I'm from the UK. I live in the Netherlands, but I'm British. My accent kind of gives that away. So in terms of like UK sizes, depending on where you shop, I range from a size 10 to a size 14 or 16. And so that in terms of US sizes is ranging from a size, hold on a minute, six to a size 16 to 18, or maybe even 18 to 20. I'm not sure. I think US sizes is like two sizes smaller. Either way, it doesn't matter really because it depends where I buy my, buy my clothes from. But where I'm going with this is I'm considered overweight. I'm not overweight. I'm at my healthy weight for me. Therefore, when I was considered in a healthy BMI, I was very underweight for my body. And so I know someone specifically who is naturally small, she's small bone, she's just, her family is small. And so her BMI, I assume, and again, this is just all to clarify what I makes, what I mean when I say you can be underweight at any size. I'm assuming that her BMI is very much on the low side, yet it's a healthy weight for her. So everyone is different basically, and you can be underweight at any size. I would love to say as well, you deserve help regardless of whether you've been diagnosed with an eating disorder or not. You absolutely deserve help. And, oh, my mum just messaged me. Let me just, let me just turn my notifications off. Focus for an hour. Sorry about that. I don't, I, as you know, I don't edit my podcast. I get so many emails requesting for someone to edit my podcast and I don't like to do that because I'm raw, I'm real and I'm here and I'm assuming if you're listening you also like that approach. So I digress, you deserve help regardless of whether whether you've been diagnosed with an eating disorder and honestly everybody deserves help and support with anything that they're struggling with. You do not have to earn support and health you are worthy no matter what you are worthy without having to do or give anything in return 
And that is hard for us to grasp, but you are so deeply, intrinsically worthy. <sighs> Just receive that as a human being. And an eating disorder, I looked up the actual dictionary meaning for this because it makes sense with what I wanted to share as well. An eating disorder is a mental disorder defined by abnormal eating behaviours that negatively affect a person's physical or mental health. So this lovely listener, and again, I'm so sorry I don't remember your name or I can't find our messages. This lovely listener says she doesn't, she's not physically sick enough. An eating disorder is a severe mental disorder and it never negatively affects a person's physical or and mental health. Mental health is part of health, it's under the health umbrella. And you look at when we diagnose eating disorders, I don't say when we, it's not like I'm a doctor or anything, but <laughs> what I mean generally, when eating disorders are diagnosed, it's the behaviors. And I wish more, more people who diagnose doctors understand that it's more of the behaviors meaning someone can be can have anorexia atypical anorexia and be in a large body because they're overweight because they're sorry they're underweight for their natural body size anorexia does not mean like skeleton skinny and all of that it means someone is underweight for their body size and their behaviours are that of someone with whatever anorexia means. So it's the behaviours, <clears throat> excuse me, and the mental state that you're in. And so it doesn't matter if you've been labelled with an eating disorder. I mean, labels aren't good for us anyway. The moment we say, I am, I am anorexic, I am a binge eater, I am bulimic, I am orthorexic, whatever, we're stating that at an identity level and then it's a lot harder for us to change our behaviors if we're identifying with the thing. So I don't really like the word labels, but diagnostics, for example, it doesn't matter if you've been diagnosed with that. If your relationship with food and your body is negatively impacting your life, then you need help. End of story. You do not have to live this way. And again, quote from God Google, an eating disorder is a mental disorder defined by abnormal eating behaviours that negatively affect a person's physical or mental health. I've shared that again. Why? Because I want to now talk about the word abnormal. So what is normal then? It, to decipher what normal eating is, it's worth taking a look at what disorder means. And so from, again, God Google, disorder, quote, disorder means to disrupt the systematic functioning of something, quote. So in terms of eating, in the mind of Victoria, this would translate to, so again, just to clarify, we're talking about a disorder. In terms of food and body, in Victoria's mind, this would translate to, to suppress the biological needs of the body, and to shame oneself over and over again until self-flagellation is a natural response to eating. That's disordered. I'm going to say that again. And I've lived through this personally as well as it making professional sense to me. To suppress the biological needs of the body and to shame oneself over and over again until self-flagellation is a natural response to eating. That is disordered eating. 
because eating is not supposed to be stressful. In fact, naturally, the opposite is true. Eating is supposed to be relaxing. There's a reason why the way our nervous system works, when we're in fight, flight or freeze response, in a stress response, fight, flight or freeze, there is a new one that psychologists have brought into this modern day and age, which is fawn, which means to people please. That is more of a behavior, but still it makes sense in this modern day world. The opposite to that, so the parasympathetic nervous system response is called rest and digest. It's called that for a reason because digesting food is a sign of relaxation and calmness, right? And so eating is supposed to be relaxing. Hence, naturally, when we eat, we would be in the rest and digest state. Unfortunately for many of us, when we eat, it's actually a very stressful experience. We see food as a threat. We eat quickly because we see food as a threat. We have a natural fear response when we're eating food because of all the judgment and the fear we have around weight gain. This is so like so many layers to this, but eating is supposed to be relaxing naturally. Eating is supposed to be pleasurable. You have taste buds for a reason. Eating is supposed to be pleasurable. Eating is supposed to be connecting. Think of all the family occasions, all the social occasions that we use food to bring people together and to share the love. Eating naturally is supposed to be as easy and and as, and as effortless as going for a pee. I say going for a wee, but I think that's like a British thing or maybe even a Derby thing where I'm from in, in the UK because, or it might sound childish, but either way, I want to say going for a wee, but I know a lot of people say going for a pee. Or it needs to be naturally as easy as putting on a jumper or a jacket when you're cold, because eating is a natural biological need. When you're in a disorder, when you're in an eating disorder or disordered eating, and I'll go into the difference of those in a moment, it's not easy. Unfortunately, most people in the Western world are living with disordered eating without even thinking or realizing it's a disorder because society celebrates disordered eating behaviors. I literally thought, and I've shared this before, but I'm going to say it again because it's so key and maybe you can relate. I literally thought that you were born And so therefore you just spend the rest of your life dieting or controlling your food and your body. No, that is not a condition of being born on planet earth and living a life. So people think it's normal to have disordered relationships around food. And so the difference between disordered eating and an eating disorder is simply the severity of how negatively it is impacting someone's life. If your relationship with food and your body stops you from living and doing life, and you're living in an anxiety hellhole because of that, then you have an eating disorder. I'm just going to repeat that. If your relationship with food and your body is negatively affecting your life to the extent that it's stopping you from living your life in the way you would like to live it and you're living in an an anxiety hellhole because of that, then you have an eating disorder. 
There's a slight difference between the average yo-yo dieter and someone who is in the diet binge cycle, for example. And that difference is shame and how much of the person's happiness is dependent on the way their body looks. For example, take a typical yo-yo dieter who has disordered eating but not a eating disorder. That could look like always going from one diet to the next, whether it's Weight Watchers, Slimming World, Atkins, the new Lose 10 Pounds in 7 Days on the front of Closer magazine, whatever it would be. They'll be doing the they'll be following the diet. They would lose weight because diets work temporarily. And then they'll be like, oh, sod the diet or they'll go out. They won't be like holding their whole self-worth on whether they've stuck to the diet or not, but they'll naturally fall off the diet because diets aren't sustainable and they're no fun. I've shared this before, but I'm going to share this again. The word diet is basically the word die with a T on the end. They're not enjoyable at all. And so a person yo-yo dieting would naturally fall off the diet and then just naturally go back to eating how they used to eat. They would gain the weight again, probably a bit more, and go on a diet again. But they wouldn't be feeling immense, painful shame and embarrassment and disgust around themselves and their body because they kept failing the diet. That's like an average yo-yo dieter, which is disordered eating. Eating disorder, on the other hand, is something that I've experienced for over 20 years. And that is you start off by going on said normal diet that everyone in the world seems to be doing or everyone around you seems to be doing and you lose weight and it really works and you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. And people are like complimenting you and asking you what you're doing and you feel so freaking powerful and you think you love your body because of the way it looks. And I'm not saying you don't love the way your body looks, but there's a difference and there's a, it's a, a big difference between body love and loving the way your body looks aesthetically. Loving the way your body looks aesthetically is short-lived, it's conditional, and it won't make you happy. Trust me, I've been there many times. You're happy for the short amount of time that you're, you like the way your body looks, and then you have to keep an eating disorder to try and keep said body, which doesn't work anyway. You know the story, I'm sure. So, as I was saying, The shame that I would have experienced over time, the more diets I failed, like it was just indescribably painful. And then I started to attach all of my self-worth, all of my happiness to the way my body looked. That's the difference between the average yo-yo dieter with disordered eating to someone who has an eating disorder. I've shared these with you again before, but I, I think it's worth sharing them again. The shit that I used to do I would shower in the dark so I didn't have to see my body because I had so much shame around it. That's more than just a slight disorder. That's the severity negatively affecting my life. I would literally, if one of my friends or family had like sickness and diarrhea, I would literally go and visit them on purpose and pretend, well, I would want to make sure they were okay, obviously, but I would purposely go and visit them to make sure they were okay and to send them my love in the hope that I would get the sickness and diarrhea bug so then I would lose weight. I I mean, I can't even believe I'm admitting this out loud, but I'm going to do it because I'm raw and authentic and, you know, I, I don't feel this way anymore. And actually someone very close to me in my family is going through cancer right now and they've been told... 
they won't live. I choose to believe differently. So what I'm going to share is honestly, and again, I have no shame sharing this anymore, but it's still a bit difficult. When I used to hear of people that I didn't know that had cancer and that they were having chemo and they would lose weight through the chemo, the thoughts used to cross my mind. I can't even believe I'm saying this out loud, but I'm being honest with you. This is what my thoughts used to say to me. Maybe if I got cancer and had to have chemo, then I would lose weight. It meant that much to me. I would do anything to lose weight. And so that is an eating disorder. And I'm just like, just taking a moment to like, just send so much love to the past version of me who would do those things to herself or who would think those things and also make it all about me when someone else would be suffering with cancer and chemo and I would be there thinking, I wish I had that so I could lose fucking weight. <sighs> okay, just send love to that, <laughs> to, that past per, to, that, to that past version of me. And if, you've, if you have these thoughts or if, you've, if, you're, if you're having these thoughts or if you've had these thoughts you're not alone and it's okay and just send yourself love and compassion and look at the bigger picture start to peel back the layers like how has it got this bad you're in an eating disorder and you can get out of it and so a few of the other things that I share so you I know you like many of you will be able to relate I would be so scared of weight gain that I the feeling of gaining weight when I inevitably did start binging and then the bulimia started to happen to try and compensate the weight gain, which didn't work for very long, worked for a good few years, but I was living in a hellhole and it didn't work ultimately. The bulimia um, behavior started and then the, when the weight gain did come, it was so emotionally painful. I didn't want to kill myself. It never got to the stage where I literally wanted to end my life, but it got to the stage where I was so uncomfortable being in my body. I wanted to like escape. I wanted to escape my body. I wanted to escape being me or being in my skin. Like it was just so overwhelmingly painful to look at the weight that was on my body. I can't even describe in words how painful that was. And I know so many of you will be able to relate and it doesn't have to be this way and I could go on forever and share so many different things and that I've experienced when I was in my eating disorders and now I'm free so just to give you hope and inspiration it's absolutely possible for you to to get free and the good news is as well you can become normal Seriously, imagine this. I never thought I would be in the normal eaters club, in quotes, because what the hell is normal, right? You can be normal around food and connect back to your natural biological needs around food and tune into your hunger and fullness cues only when, number one, you're eating enough food for your body. Everyone's different. Number two, when you have healed your emotional relationship to food, and number three, when you practice body acceptance on the daily. Because if you think of something that you do naturally, that your body does naturally over and over and over again, no matter how many times you try and stop it, 
shaving under your armpits, for example. And by the way, why do we even do that? It's linked to beauty culture, like whatever, but I still shave under my arms. And if you imagine how many times you've shaved your legs or under your arms, no matter how many times you've shaved it, your body hair still grows back over and over again because it's natural for your body. So therefore have faith that your natural hunger and fullness signals will come back when you're out of the disorder, I promise you. Your metabolism is not broken. You will go through different meta- metabol- um you will go through different metabolic <laughs> every episode. I can't say a word. Bear with. I want to say over time you'll go through different metabolic shifts. That wasn't so hard, was it? Either way, I overcomplicate things in my head. I bet you're glad I don't edit these, don't you? Because hopefully you're laughing right now. You've either laughed or you've turned the episode off. And if you're still listening, then you're one of, we're meant to be together. You're one of me. As I was saying, your metabolism will go through different shifts depending on how long you've been restricting for, how long you've had an eating disorder for or disordered eating for. All there's so many different reasons, but I promise you, you are not broken, your metabolism is not broken, your body knows what to do. Even if you have like diseases like thyroid issues and digestion issues and all of that, yes, you'll probably need help by a medical doctor or an energy healer. I use my energy healer, Mary. She's she's like magic. It's like out of this world what she knows. It's just insane. That might not match, that not might not be in alignment for everybody, and that's okay. But I promise you, your body's not broken. Even thyroid issues and digestion issues and everything, it all points, if you look at it from a holistic standpoint, it all points back to being in balance in your body with your mental and emotional health and your physical health. There's so many layers to all of this holistic health, but I promise you, you're not broken. Your metabolism will come back to normal. And so you can eat normally again. And the lovely listener says that she's not physically sick in terms of her not being malnourished. I want to reiterate here, you do not have to be underweight to be malnourished. You can be overweight, in quotes, and be malnourished. Malnourished, malnutrition is a serious condition that happens when your diet does not contain the right amount of nutrients. It means poor nutrition and can refer to undernutrition, therefore not getting enough nutrients. You can literally be eating low calorie options of everything that lacks proper nourishment and or be eating chocolate all day and not be underweight, even for your natural body size, yet you can still be malnourished. If your body's not getting enough nourishment from your food, malnourishment isn't dependent on weight. And so nourishment is a key part of what I teach my clients. I mean, some people call it gentle nutrition, you don't, you have to be ready for that. But ultimately food freedom isn't only eating chocolate all day and nothing else and never moving your body. It's a process. It's a journey and everyone's different. But ultimately the goal is health, physical health, mental health, emotional health, spiritual health. And then when you have all of those 
in alignment, you start to look at financial health, time freedom health, like everything else becomes available to you because you're happy and healthy mentally first. If you haven't got mental health, what the hell is the point in having physical health? In my opinion, mental health is everything and then everything else comes second to that. And so this listener says that she's binge eating, so therefore she doesn't think her eating disorder or a diagnosis of an eating disorder perhaps is serious enough. Well, I'm here to say that you're binge eating for a reason. And that reason is only either you're physically restricting and or you're emotionally restricting. And just to clarify and to remind you, what emotional restriction is, it's simply negatively judging what you eat. And what happens when you negatively judge what you eat, you're unconsciously implying that you do not need to do that in the future or you need to do something different in the future. Because judging yourself for what you eat unconsciously implies that you need to do something different in the future. What you've done is not okay. And you deserve to have a normal, healthy and happy relationship with food and your body. Each and every one of you and this listener. And you you deserve to be healthy physically, mentally and emotionally. And like I just said, physical health is worth nothing without mental health. Just think about that for a moment. People can preach all these, I mean, I'm a qualified nutritionist. I've studied the science of nutrition, but there's no point in understanding how nutrition works. And I mean, everyone's different as well. That's the thing, we're so different. Each and every one of us are such individuals. There's no point knowing what the best diet lifestyle is for you. If number one, you can't even follow that lifestyle because you have a disordered relationship with food. And number two, you're just feeling shit all the time because you want to eat cake and you're so scared of sugar. I was watching um, Gaia, which if you haven't heard of Gaia, which is spelled G-A-I-A, it's like a spiritual Netflix, it's so good. And I kind of knew this already, but I took a screenshot of of the thing that was on the screen because it is so key. 90% of all diseases in the world is linked to stress. 90% of all diseases in the world, including cancer, heart disease, everything is linked to stress. And so there's a saying at a quote, I've heard this years before and it's a brilliant, it goes something like, the stress of eating the cake is way worse for you than the sugar in the cake ever can be. And that is so true. So just check in with your mental health. Maybe you have an allergy to dairy or you're allergic to dairy or whatever. As long as you're not going to die, if you don't agree with dairy, yet you can't stop binging on it and you're hating yourself for it. The most important thing for you to do first is to make peace with food. And then choosing to eat dairy actually becomes a choice, not a compulsion, because it won't be a reaction to restriction. I work with women who have foods that they have to avoid medically. And again, it always starts with allowance and it always comes down to mindset because your mental health is more important. And then you can choose to work on your physical health only when you make peace with food and you work on your mentality and your emotional attachment to food. 
And so I want to, I'm going to ask you a question. In fact, I'm going to ask you, well, actually, no, I'm not. Well, I am going to ask you a question in a minute, but I'm going to, yeah, I guess they are questions. Okay. I'm going to ask you two questions and I want you to just think and then feel free to share with me on social media, Victoria Kleinsman official on social media, Victoria Kleinsman on on Facebook, victoriaklinesman.com on the internet. And I want you to share with me which one resonates with you the most, meaning which one, when you hear these questions, which one would you need to act from? Okay. Is it bad enough to change? Or is it good enough to stay? Is it bad enough to change? Or is it good enough to stay? Now, I'm assuming, I'm doing a lot of assuming in this episode, I know. If you're anything like I used to be, I would not change anything unless it was from the motivation of, is this bad enough to change? Meaning that it had to get so bad, I had to stop doing what I was doing. I couldn't diet for a frigging hour. The second I thought about dieting, I would literally be going to the shop and binging my face off. So <laughs> I, I had to get to the point where I was fighting, 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 like on my knees and I cannot anymore. Don't let that be you. I want you to start asking yourself this question. Is this good enough for me to stay? Because you are worth so much more than what you're perhaps experiencing if you're listening or watching this. And that is linked to your self-worth. Now I ask myself the question, I mean, not in terms of food and body, but other stuff. Is this good enough for me to stay? I mean, my relationship is incredible, but I would ask myself that too if my relationship wasn't incredible. Is this good enough to stay? Not is this bad enough to change because what motivation is that coming from? Is this good enough to stay is directly linked to how worthy you know you are and you know that you deserve better. So I want you to ask yourself, is how you're currently experiencing your relationship with food and your body and yourself or any relationship with your partner, with your friends, your job, with anything, is this good enough for me to stay? And if you can't answer because you currently aren't connected to how worthy you are and how much self-love you have within you that you're just disconnected to from right now, ask yourself the question of, if I were to ask the worthiest self-loving version of me, is this good enough to stay? What would she say? Just connect to that. And then the last thing I wanted to talk about in terms of answering this question is I wanted to state and make it clear to each and every one of you listening or watching that eating, that binge eating disorder is a restrictive eating disorder. We don't think it is because we focus on the quote problem or the quote behavior, which is eating a shit ton of food. I mean, what even does that mean? Because honestly, the amount of clients I've worked with 
a client will say to me when they first start working with me or when we have the consultation call, oh yeah, I binge and, you know, I'll have like a family size bar of chocolate and a bag of cookies and then I feel awful and all of that. And of course they do. I don't doubt, I'm not disvalidating them and their behaviors. But then what does that mean in comparison to my old binges? I used to literally eat 10,000 calories in frigging two hours. I would go hard with that shit and I'm laughing now only because I literally don't know how the fuck I used to eat that much food in one go in secret and in shame right and so binge eating isn't the amount of food binge eating is any reaction to restriction period it doesn't matter whether you've had five cookies and you feel so shit about it because you've you were not meant to have any cookies or it doesn't matter if you eat the whole chocolate shelf in the supermarket, it's still a binge. And so we think the binge eating is the problem. We think the behavior is the problem and we just see a shit ton of food or reactionary eating, like almost feeling like you're out of control and you can't stop yourself. That's actually not the problem. If we look at the problem from the root, which is the only way you're gonna ever change anything in your life, long-term and forever, is to look at the root. Binge eating is a restrictive eating disorder, meaning I have never met a single person who binge eats who is either not currently restricting physically or emotionally, or I have never met a person who binge eats who has never previously physically or emotionally restricted, whether that's purposefully or not. The reason I say that is because if you were, if someone was to be brought up in a very poor family and they literally have hardly any money to buy food, let alone buy luxuries that you perhaps desire in terms of food, then, or if you've got a lot of brothers or sisters and there was never enough and you had to like fight for the food else, you wouldn't get it. That is restriction. So whether that was like purposely done by yourself or not, that is still restriction. That's a fear of not enough. That's like a fear of a lack mentality because at that time it was real. You had to get there or she would, your brother or sister would have ate it all, right? And so I've never met, just to, to reiterate this, never met a person who binge eats who is not either currently physically restricting or mentally restricting or that hasn't previously restricted emotionally or physically. Now, binge eating is a healthy, natural response to restriction. Binge eating does not happen without restriction. Binge eating does not happen without some kind of restriction. And if you take it one step further, one step deeper, which is exactly what I do with my coaching, because like I said, we go deep or we go deeper. There's no point in just fannying around changing the behaviors because that's going to work, what, for a couple of months? I take your money, off you go, your behaviors have changed, come back when you need me again. No, what I do is make sure we're the right fit to work together for a start. And we have like a two hour consultation call that is completely free, that is on me with love to make sure I can help you, to make sure I want to work with you, to make sure you want to work with me. And we get to the root of the cause. And in this context, if you take binge eating, go deeper, peel off a layer, you're binge eating because you're dieting, because you're restricting. But restricting isn't the root cause. 
Why have you been restricting to change your body? Why have you been trying to change your body because you don't like the way you look? Why don't you like the way you look? There's so many layers to this and most ultimately it comes down to not feeling good enough, fear of rejection, fear of not being being loved as you are, not being enough. And that's my most favorite thing to do is to work through all of that and then the behaviors naturally change themselves anyway. Yes, we spend like time on the food stuff. We work on the behaviors as well as going to the root cause so you get lifelong change. But I just want to share a little bit about emotional eating before I wrap up. So emotional eating is not the same as binge eating, but emotional eating can and does often quickly spiral into binge eating if the person is judging themselves for eating emotionally. I'm going to repeat that again because I've said so many key things in this episode. I've repeated myself a lot, but it's for your benefit. Binge eating can quickly spiral into, don't listen to that because that was the wrong thing. Let me go again. Emotional eating can spiral into binge eating if the person is judging themselves for eating emotionally. So if you try to stop emotional eating by using willpower, then you're screwed because that's restriction. And restriction causes a reaction, which is binge eating, right? And so you need to add in, adding in other ways to take care of yourself emotionally, add in other ways to emotionally soothe, not trying to eliminate emotional eating. Because there's been countless studies done on this, especially by Linda Bacon in her book, Health at Every Size and Body Respect. Highly recommend you read them both. Start with body respect if you're not interested in all the science stuff, but you still get the same message. Those that have dieted before in their lives turn to food for emotional comfort. Those that have not dieted in their life, there are such people somewhere, trust me. (laughs) I've met a few and I've been like, wait, are you human? Anyway, those that have not dieted before turn to other things for emotional comfort, such as shopping, scrolling, sexting, is that text sexing, something like that, or actually not eating. Some people, when they get stressed, don't eat, not purposefully, they just don't want to eat, they have no appetite. So those that have dieted before always turn to food for emotional comfort. Those that haven't dieted before turn to other things for emotional comfort. And some of them don't eat as a natural response to that emotional discomfort. I mean, ideally, we go to the root again and solve the underlying emotional problem. But hey, we're human and we can't always control the the thing or the experience that is causing our emotional discomfort. Yes, we can work on changing our perception to the discomfort, because the only thing we can control in the whole of our lives is how we respond to our thoughts, feelings and life. That is it. But in the moment when you just want to sit and eat a tub of Ben and Jerry's, if you're there shaming yourself for wanting to do that or trying to distract yourself by calling a friend when the last thing you want to do is speak to someone, you just want to sit under a blanket and eat a tub of Ben and Jerry's, do you think that trying not to do that is actually going to help? Or... Do you think that meeting yourself with love 
and kindness and compassion and understanding and gentleness and offering yourself other ways to add in as well as the Ben and Jerry's to take care of you, to sit with yourself for a few moments and just ask yourself, sweetheart, what do you really need right now? If you want ice cream, fine. We can have ice cream. That's no problem. It's not about the ice cream. What would really nourish your soul right now? Is it calling a friend? Is it journaling? Is it a bath? Is it ice cream and a good film? Like, is it all of those things? And just be there for yourself. That is the only way that naturally emotional eating will start to fall away. And so that was a long answer to your question, dear listener. But in in short, the answer to your question, yes, you are sick enough to get help. I'm not labeling you as sick. Therefore, like it doesn't mean you can get better because you absolutely can. But to answer your question, yes, you are sick enough to get help. You deserve to get help. You deserve to live a life free and happy in your body and with a peaceful and pleasurable relationship with food. Binge eating is a serious restrictive eating disorder and actually binge eating has been saving your ass. Binge eating is a healthy natural response to restriction. You should be pleased, I know this sounds so fucked up, but see if you can be grateful for your binges. If I hadn't started binging after many years of the anorexia, I would literally be dead. I would either be dead or living in the worst shitty fucking hellhole of anxiety of anorexia that I've ever even known. And so I may as well be dead anyway because I'll be dead inside practically. So binge eating is actually saving your ass. And if you would like help personally from me on your food freedom and body love journey, I actually have three different ways now. I've introduced a new way that you can work with me. I have three different ways that you can come into my world and be helped and supported by my work and by me personally or in a group. So number one, this is my new way, and that is called the Body Love Bite. And it's an online program. It's a self-paced online program that you have forever access to that comes with a support group. That's 49 euros. So that's a new thing that I've added in. The second way, the second one up from there is to come and work with me in a group environment. That's my Body Love Buffet. Don't you just love the names? The Body Love Buffet Group Coaching, which is a lifetime program. So for the life of the program, there's no like kickoff period where you have to start a certain date or you're only allowed in for three months or six months and you get taken out the group. You're in there forever as long as the group is alive. And we have ongoing monthly live Zoom video group coaching calls with me indefinitely. I'm in the group weekly coaching you, supporting you. You get access to my body love binge online program which is my life and soul all into four months worth of it takes you four months to get through all of this audios videos worksheets worksbooks everything that's the next step that is 1200 euros or a six month payment plan that I can't think off the top of my head I think it's 220 for six months but I'm always open to to making it work for you if 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 those don't work for you and number three, the third and final way you can work with me, which is the, the again the highest 
the highest support that I offer and that is personalised one-to-one coaching. That is the body love binge personalised one-to-one coaching, which is my most favourite way to work with someone. And so to read more about all of that, check it out on my website. Reach out to me on social media if you have any questions. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. And if you haven't already... I would love if you could just take a few seconds to five-star review this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on because it really helps me get my message out there. So thank you for listening. I love you so much. Listener, the answer to your question, please DM me on Instagram so I can find you again and let me know what you thought. Okay, much love. I hope this episode was everything you needed to hear today and more. If you love this podcast, then please screenshot this episode and share it to your Instagram or Facebook stories and tag me at Victoria Kleinsman so I can share you with my audience and we can get my podcast out to more women that need it. Also, I'd be super duper grateful if you could rate and review this podcast as it really does help others to find it. Thank you so, so much in advance and I'll see you on the next one. Good morning or good day or good afternoon, Queens. As you can hear, the beautiful birds singing in the background. I'm just walking and I just had an inspiration to record a little episode. So this might be five minutes, 10 minutes or 15 minutes. Who knows and the reason I want to record this is because I've had a very good friend of mine a previous client message me asking me a question about when she's watched documentaries especially like spiritually based documentaries that are sharing how I'm going to change the wording here because I don't want to use the wording that they've used because it just does not sit right with me. So they've used stronger words than this, but the documentary she's been watching, I'm not sure if it was on purpose or whether she was watching something else and then this came into it. And that is how unhelpful or unhealthy sugar, gluten and dairy is for humans. Now, I mean, I've got so much to say on this and... Just remember, I'm on a walk with zero notes in front of me to like rein me in in some kind of structure. (laughs) But let me just talk. So my response to this was, first of all, what proof do you have? And when I say you, I'm speaking to you, the one listening in your ears right now, because everyone is so different. What proof do you have that gluten, dairy or sugar isn't helpful to you or isn't good for you or doesn't sit right with you apart from documentaries that say otherwise so just think about that for a moment you may have quote proof that sugar gluten or dairy isn't helpful for your body and I'm going to talk speak to that in a moment however let's say you're listening to this and you're either in recovery from an eating disorder you're recovered you're you've not started your recovery journey yet or you're a therapist or a professional listening to support your clients and your patients more. Let's say you have no proof that sugar, gluten and dairy is damaging your body in any way. Why would you then question that? Yes, of course, most of us care about our health and our health is important to us. But when we let outside influences start to question our own relationships with our bodies and what we eat, that's when it goes wrong because 
if you start to mess around with your food and start to cut out dairy and gluten and sugar with no reason to apart from something you've heard that it's quote healthier for you troubles arise because if you're in binge eating or bulimia with a binge purge cycle cutting out dairy sugar and gluten in more more times than not and this is the studies to back this up as well you actually end up eating more sugar gluten and dairy in the long run because you cut it out and then you end up binging on it anyway and so the amount of times i thought that sugar was the devil and so i would cut it out i mean as time goes on it's harder to cut it out as as dieters chronic dieters the first diets are easy and as time goes on it's even it's like almost impossible to actually physically stick to a diet so i would be able to cut it out and then i would just end up binging on it in copious amounts and so instead of just having sugar every day in a normal amount for my body i would binge on it and eat like kilos of sugar and then feel really shit physically and emotionally So cutting it out for most people doesn't, quote, work anyway, even if it was, quote, healthier for you, because you binge on it. If you're in a restrictive eating disorder, and by the way, binge eating is a restrictive eating disorder, and so is bulimia, but just to speak to the anorexic um, kind of category, maybe the orthorexic category, then you're in the restriction more so than the the binge eating let's say you listen to this or or you've listened to or watched a documentary saying how quote bad sugar gluten and dairy is for you and you cut that out or perhaps that's how you even started your eating disorder in the first place and let's say you can cut that out how how happy are you how is your mental health because in my opinion mental health is the most important And physical health is the second most important. And this is just my personal values. But for me, and most of my clients actually, in fact all of my clients, mental health comes first and physical health comes second. Because if you don't have mental health, then what do you have, right? And so I look at those that have had a history of an eating disorder or that those that are past chronic dieters. I hope you can hear me because it's quite windy actually. Um... I look at that like an actual, not that we need to stay in the past, not that we need to stay in the history of the eating disorder, but we need to be aware of it because let's say you were a runner and you damaged your ligament in your knee or whatever, something to do with your knee. And this was due to all the running that you've done. So link this to dieting, restriction, eating disorders in the past because you have a history Yes, the past doesn't exist anymore. It's a memory, but it's still it's still happened. It's a memory, right? It's still your past medical history, if you like. So if you've got had a knee injury and you want to start running training to run the marathon, you need to take into consideration your past with your knee because you need to take care of that knee. You can't just treat yourself like a new runner or someone who's never had a knee injury before. You need to really take that into consideration and either not do the marathon at all because you care more about taking care of your body for the rest of your life or you really, really get support, professional help and and start to train and really take care of yourself very, very slowly which in my opinion, the first, the first option is the best with mindset work and 
forgiveness work and letting go and finding another sport that doesn't hurt your knee. So why would it be any different for those that are in recovery or have recovered or whatever from an eating disorder, disordered eating, chronic dieting, any form of restriction for no matter what reason, you're playing with fire. You need to you need to connect to your history and take care of yourself. So in my opinion, if a doctor said to me, and this can't be said because they don't know, if a some medical professional that I trusted said to me, Victoria, if you don't cut sugar out your diary, diary, <laughs> diet, or dairy or gluten or whatever it may be, then you won't live as long. I mean, they can't predict whatever, right? Then honestly, I would much rather enjoy mental health and freedom because I take care of my physical health as well. Now that I've recovered from my eating disorders, I actually get to choose what nourishes me without a reaction or a restriction feeling, and it's very freeing. I would rather die younger and enjoy my life eating whatever I want to eat and prioritising how I feel because I could die tomorrow. I could die on the plane back to Holland next week. Who knows? So that's my personal opinion. And I do apologise, I'm coming onto a road now, but like this is a very spontaneous podcast episode. Um, so I would honestly rather enjoy my life in food freedom. And food freedom, by the way, doesn't mean just feeling shit about yourself the whole time. It's connecting to your body, nourishing yourself and all of that. Then try and listen to a professional's opinion and perhaps live a year longer. That's what I would rather do. So just let that sink in and kind of ask yourself what's most important to you. Because if you're in the orthorexia, is it more important to you to cut out gluten, dairy and sugar because some professionals have said it's bad for you and then live a life in an eating disorder or very anxious and stressed around food and what you can and can't have and perhaps, I don't know, live a year younger, longer, who knows? Or just heal your relationship with food. Get connected to your body and just listen and trust what you want and what you want to enjoy. With regards to those of you that do have proof from your body that gluten or dairy or sugar isn't agreeing with you, that's another thing. But you can still make a choice. So we we talk about this um, when we work together with those that have medical restrictions around food. You can still practice intuition eating. So I'm not an intuitive eating coach. That's another story. I've said why in a few podcasts before. But So I like to call myself an intuition coach and intuition eating because whatever feels right, intuitive eating is still too many kind of rules and principles and it easily gets turned into a diet with diet mentality. So you can still practice that and live intuitively with medical restrictions around food because dieting isn't an action, it's a state of mind. So when you allow yourself everything and you take full responsibility without shaming or shudding or judging yourself, that's key. You can make choices for your health. Let's say you're dairy and you have a dairy intelligence. <laughs> intelligence. Let's go with that, Victoria. It's quite early in the morning. It's about six o'clock as I record this. Like my sister, she's um, lactose intolerant and we're, I'm getting married at the end of May. And we're having an ice cream place come to our wedding because it's epic, best ice cream ever. And she can't eat dairy. However, because she gets severe symptoms, 
but she said she's going to make an exception for my wedding because she knows how delicious the ice cream is and she wants to have that and so she's taking responsibility without judging herself that she wants to taste the pleasure of that ice cream and the celebrations together and she's going to accept the consequences that she might be on the toilet in an hour and that's her choice but she's not shaming herself for it and her body image and her self-worth and her self-esteem and happiness isn't linked to whether she has dairy or not that's the key and so with these programs i'm trying to kind of round this up now also i'm walking up a hill if i'm a bit out of breath so with wrapping this up with these documentaries that are saying gluten's bad dairy's bad sugar's bad and i'm going back to their language now because that's just how they say it that's not true because everyone is different and those success stories that they share like oh you know i cut okay i don't want to be sarcastic with this someone's cut out gluten dairy sugar and they've had cancer and they cut it out and then, then they're healed i believe that our mind is so goddamn powerful because it literally creates you are a creator you can change alter matter physical matter just by your thoughts and your mind it's your mind and your thoughts that heal your body not what it is that you eat so if a professional says if you cut out these then you'll be really healthy and you'll heal and all of that then if you believe that it's a placebo as well right i'm not saying that nourishing food isn't good for you of course it is and like i say i choose to eat nourishing foods but i've only been able to do that from healing my relationship with food from allowance I'm not saying that it's not worth eating nourishing food, it is, but it's all what you believe. And honestly, I, this sounds weird, but I still do it. If I eat from a place where, for example, yesterday, me and my mum had a McDonald's and McDonald's is okay, but it's not my favourite place to eat. And I had a chicken, spicy, crispy chicken thing and it was okay, but because I know the qualities because I don't actually like to eat meat that's not free range and I'm, I'm pretty sure this isn't free range. So I sat down just for a few seconds in my mind with no one knowing what I was doing and kind of thanked and blessed the chicken and the food and just like put my loving gratitude vibrations into it and then ate it. And for me, I know that sounds like weird as fuck. <laughs> I am weird as fuck, you know that. But then my mind is so powerful I've blessed that food and the vibe is now high because your mind literally creates everything. So this is 13 minutes now. So there's more I could say, but I don't want to just waffle here. If you have any questions off the back of this, let me know. But I did want to just talk about this because it's, you know, the science is out there that sugar is bad and dairy does this and gluten does this. But what proof do you have for your own individual body that that is not okay? And many of you might say, okay, I don't have proof right now, but I know that in the future it might cause, I don't know, diabetes with the amount of sugar you eat or it might cause something else. We don't know what's going to happen in the future, but your body is so wise. So when you get out of your own way and you connect to your body and build a relationship with your body and start to live in intuition eating, you know what feels good and what doesn't because everyone is different. I mean, everyone's individualized and I'd like to have a conversation with an individual around how they feel about this. 
but let me know if that's helpful apologies for the background noises the birds were the best weren't they at the beginning of my walk um and sending you all so much love there's also a little giveaway going on i've only had a couple of entries actually so you're missing out if you're not going to do it <laughs> maybe you've done it already and you can still send me a screenshot if you rate my podcast five stars and send me a screenshot either via instagram dm email then i will put you in a prize draw to win one of my programs a body love bite for april and i'm going to do it every month anyway to encourage my podcast to get out to more people so sending you all so much love said that before and i hope you have a beautiful day let me know if this episode is helpful if you have any questions that you'd like me to answer in a podcast episode i would love to do that and much love see you next time